0: This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. You're listening to episode 163.
1: Yeah, we're going to go there.
0: Of the In Between Podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim.
1: And I'm Christina M.
0: Well, no area of a couple's life offers more potential for embarrassment, hurt, and rejection than their sexual relationship.
1: So true. But on the other hand, when everything is connected, when relational transparency and emotional honesty meet physical desire, that's a recipe (laughs) for some great sex. And great sex helps produce greater relational and emotional intimacy, and it just keeps snowballing in the best possible way. So that's why on this week's episode, we want to talk about the four keys to long-term sexual satisfaction with your spouse.
0: All right, so let's consider the work of sexologists. Yeah, that's a thing, I guess.
1: (laughs) Somebody who studies sex a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, There's anthropologists, there's psychologists, and there's sexologists. Sexologists, (laughs) yeah,
0: right on. Okay, so Barry and Emily McCarthy. They researched sexual behavior in the Washington, D.C. area for the past 20 years, and they found that happy couples only attribute 15 to 20% of their total happiness to sex. Oh, so so that's not a ton. no happy couples okay happy couples attribute 15 to 20 percent of their total happiness to sex but on the other hand unhappy couples put around 50 to 70 percent of the blame for their relationship problems on bad sex
1: oh so that's a huge difference yeah, between yeah. happy and unhappy couples. yeah
0: yeah completely different perception on what sex does and right. uh to the relationship
1: yeah so in other words, when things are getting rocky in the marriage, couples often point the finger at their sex lives. Mm-hmm. But what's really happening is that these unhappy and dissatisfied couples are misdiagnosing their problem. The blame they're placing on bad sex should actually be pointing toward the quality of the relationship yeah. and what's going on underneath it all. One study found that those who reported having a bad sex life actually only spent about 35 minutes a week talking. Not a day, a week, 35 minutes a week. And the conversation was mostly about errands and tasks and can you get the milk or who's going to pick up Bobby from hockey practice.
0: Now, emotional bonding is key to good sex. When couples feel emotionally connected, they become more likely to share their vulnerabilities, which naturally improves the quality of their sex. Lovers who feel confident in their emotional attachments can tune into one another's feelings and experiences. And this power enables them to notice if their partner's feeling excited, tense, or relaxed, which proves highly useful when it comes to sex.
1: Exactly, when it comes to pleasuring each other, because Mm -hmm. that's really what sex... Sex is a two-way street. We all know this, right? It's not just pleasuring the other person, which is a big thing, but it's also about pleasuring ourselves Mm -hmm. and doing this together and learning what turns our spouse on, what doesn't work, what doesn't feel good, what's too ticklish, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we've already alluded to the importance of emotional connectedness. More sexual intimacy grows from more honest conversation. But if you're like us, especially when we're not feeling connected, sometimes talking about sex can feel super awkward. One study showed that 73% of couples reported that they don't know how to talk about sex with each other because it feels icky, it feels awkward, or it's the start to an epic fight. So on today's episode, we wanted to give you some really practical tools to be able to enhance your emotional and physical intimacy by learning to talk to each other about sex in a way that lets each spouse feel safe and heard and seen.
0: Yeah. Now, before we get into the four keys, we'd love for you to just take some time. If you're listening by yourself, maybe hit pause and ask yourself this question. Do I feel awkward or comfortable talking to my spouse about sex? If you're listening in together with your spouse, pause and and ask each other that question and and do a little bit of an audit. Uh, We're not talking about whether or not you feel comfortable talking about sex to other people, right? We're talking about with your spouse and the point of these four keys is to really give you a starting point or even a jumping off point to learn how to talk about sex in a way that's healthy and that builds your relationship together. So let's start with the first key, which is redefine what you mean by sex.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, remember way back when you were dating and you would hold each other's hands and it would make your heart pound and your palms get sweaty and you get butterflies (laughs) in their stomach? Yeah. I can still recall the first time Daniel reached for my hand. I think his fingers just lightly brushed against mine and the world stopped.
0: <laughs> still doesn't? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not in that way. Not yeah, in no, the no, first no. time, know. right? Yeah, for
0: sure. No, I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now think about the first time you felt your spouse put their arm around your waist or drew you in for a hug. Touch had electricity and deep meaning, didn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, over time, we learn to experience touch in a way that is split off or disconnected from intimacy, right? We, we fall into this pattern like um, she hugs me, I kiss her, and then we have sex. <laughs> the body is acting out intimacy, but the husband and wife are just going through the motions.
1: Exactly. You know, sex doesn't necessarily mean intimacy. That could be really mind-blowing for some of y'all. I'll say it again. Sex doesn't necessarily mean intimacy. We move toward intimate knowing of each other when we intentionally reconnect the experience of touch with its deeper meaning and sensations. Sex becomes less about intercourse or reaching orgasm and more about discovery, safety, vulnerability, fun, and experiencing one another.
0: Yeah, so instead of isolating sex from the rest of your relationship, try a change in attitude. You know, we should stop thinking that sex is all about reaching orgasm and consider everything positive that happens between you and your spouse as a part of sex.
1: This notion is a reflection from the research done by Cher Height. Many of the women that Cher interviewed complained that their men saw achieving an orgasm like a touchdown in football. Touchdown! Yeah, she referred to it as the big O. Now, this goal-oriented approach to sex can cause a great deal of stress because if orgasm isn't reached for either the man or the woman, then there's a sense that something is wrong. Hmm. The women revealed in the survey that they wish their men would be more present and just enjoy the sensations of pillow talk, Touching, caressing, kissing, massaging, and so on. So what these women may or may not know is that they're actually expressing their desire to build relational intimacy with their spouse, not just to have an orgasm.
0: Yeah, Dr. John Gottman, a leading relationship researcher, suggests to couples that they should consider all positive interactions to be sex right? Not just the orgasm. Uh, He says that foreplay occurs every time you turn toward each other in some little way throughout the day. Not focusing on orgasm as the goal helps couples see that sex, the physical part of connection, is all about just that (laughs) connection.
1: That's right. So the second key to long-term sexual satisfaction with your spouse is to turn toward each other.
0: You know, I love that quote from the first point. Foreplay occurs every time you turn toward each other in some little way throughout the day.
1: Ha! Yeah, me too. It's a great way of reframing how to build intimacy. I want to stop a moment and unpack this term, turn toward, because it's crucial. Yes, this talk is about sexual intimacy, but this is actually only one part. Sexual oneness is grown along with the building blocks of emotional and spiritual intimacy. In satisfying relationships, people make bids for connection with each other all the time. Sometimes they're obvious, like reaching out to hold your spouse's hand, and other times they may be so subtle that they aren't even recognized as an attempt to connect. When a bid is received, you can have one of three responses. You can acknowledge the bid and turn towards your spouse, you can turn away, or you can turn against. Okay, let's use a really practical example.
0: Are you going to talk about the clouds?
1: Of course. <laughs> okay, if you didn't know this, Daniel has this unique obsession with clouds. Yeah. Like he absolutely loves them. If he says, look at those clouds, turning toward Daniel would be like me saying, oh, wow, those are some really beautiful clouds, hon. No, turning away would be ignoring him or brushing him off and acting as if I never heard the question. And turning against would be saying something like, stop it with the clouds. I've seen one. I've seen them all. You're so weird.
0: (laughs) Now, this wasn't a joke. Like, I actually do love clouds. Exactly. But but on the receiving end of things, you know, if there's some hostility in your relationship or maybe you feel like you just woke up on the wrong side of bed and one person was a bit more harsh than the others and, and they were to respond to whatever your version of the clouds is in a aggressive way right like oh stop it you're uh, i don't care i'm obviously if you (laughs) if your spouse said that to you i mean that would be hurtful right Right. even though
1: it's really i mean clouds are not a big deal no
0: but but that tone that attitude i mean that so that's i mean that's turning against but i just want to point out the fact that turning away right that idea me mentioning something or pointing out the clouds and and you just not like not saying anything at all, positive or negative, completely ignoring me, like that is actually hurtful too in a different way. So I love that distinction, turning toward turning away and turning against.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've heard the term about feeling like roommates instead of lovers. Mm-hmm. That's what that turning away does. Yeah, It's the two ships like drifting apart yeah, from each right. other, that mm-hmm. they're not really doing anything. It's not a huge storm. It's not a huge like tsunami that's tearing them apart, yeah. making the boats drift apart. It's literally just this ignoring of one another, not deepening their friendship, not deepening the relationship and and turning towards each other yeah that's right so turning toward your spouse in even small ways like you don't have to do a huge for example the whole cloud thing it would be yeah. like wow do you know that there's all these different cloud names and this and this and you don't have to like go in wikipedia no, no, yeah
0: yeah i it's mean just honestly literally. like you just being like oh yeah they are nice like that's 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 awesome. Yeah,
1: like, <laughs> I could you could even go a step further and be like, what do you think that cloud looks like? Yeah, I see oh <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, you know, spice it up a little bit. So this turning toward builds a deeper connection over time. It's not the occasional romantic dinner or weekend away that builds romance so much as the day-to-day turning towards each other in these small and seemingly boring, mundane ways. Which over time deepen the relationship and become the foundation for passion and intimacy. Like, think about it: if you felt like your spouse ignored you all week, and then your spouse surprises you with like dinner out, would it be as meaningful versus that you're continuing to build on your relationship day in and day out? And then you go out and you actually have things to talk about. Yeah, that's right. Because you know each other. Yeah. So it's the it's the small little deposits day in and day out that will make your relationship and your sex life flourish.
0: Yeah. And that's that whole idea of turning toward. So now research supports the crucial role of this and responding to bids. In fact, one study found that couples who were still married six years later turn toward each other. Okay. Wait for it. 86% of the time and they are really good. In other words, they are really good at responding to their spouses' bids. Right? Think about the clouds. Yeah, that is. Oh, whoa! What what kind of cloud is that? What do you think? Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Versus, right? This is no that that first that first stat is couples happily married six years later turn toward each other eighty six percent of the time. Compare that to couples who divorced within six years of being married. Okay. What percentage do you think they turned toward each other? Right, those who stayed happily married were eighty-six percent. Those who were divorced turned to each other only thirty-three percent of the time. Thirty-three percent of the time.
1: Yeah, that's a huge difference. Right, that's it's like fifty percent difference. Well, right?
0: yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like you. Are in a conversation and you're like, hey, so when I was driving home, this person totally cut me off. Okay, that's one. And your spouse didn't say anything or they're like, well, it's probably because you're driving in the way that you drive. Like aggressively, that's probably why they cut you off. <laughs> okay, so, okay, that's one. And then let's say in that same conversation or later on that day, uh, one spouse said, yeah, oh, I had such a hard time with the kids today and. I mean, they they weren't sick, but they acted sick and I had to go, school called me. And then your spouse was like, crickets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or, oh, well, let me tell you about my day. And it wasn't even, it was conversation, but you just, you totally didn't acknowledge that, right? Right. That's two. And then you go a third time and you're saying, hey, do you mind um, taking the trash out before we go to bed? can't i just take it i'll just take it out tomorrow like uh, why why do i know please can you because there's something stinky in there can you please take it out it's like no i don't want to take it out like
1: take it out yourself yeah exactly cool, I, three like, yeah right
0: okay <laughs> and you see what i'm trying to say like if there's three and then the fourth one is hey do you mind turning the lights off before we go to bed okay one out of four right i know it's a little bit more than that but if mm-hmm. if only one out of those four interactions imagine if that's how your conversations with your spouse went every single day.
1: Do you want to have sex with your spouse? (laughs) Probably not.
0: One (laughs) out of four, one out of three. No. I'd be scared, Yeah, Yeah. right?
1: Because it's kind of like Russian roulette. You're not quite sure how your question or your expression of your emotions or your day will be met. Yeah. Sometimes maybe they'll be acknowledged and other times they'll be completely flat out ignored or you'll be yelled at.
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: So I'm not surprised by these findings because there really isn't much that hurts more than feeling ignored or invisible or betrayed, really, by the one that you love. Mm -hmm.
0: The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends, and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold.
1: Hmm. So how do you actually turn towards your spouse? Well, the first step in turning toward is awareness of these crucial moments when your spouse is making a bid for connection. When people don't turn toward, it usually isn't because they're mean spirited or trying to be difficult. At least, I hope not. It's probably that they don't know how important responding to bids are. This word bid also gives you language to talk to your spouse about perhaps feeling a little forgotten.
0: Yeah. And that's what we love about this and why if your spouse doesn't listen to this podcast, why it's a this would be a great episode to to introduce them to the podcast and to talk about it because it gives you that common language. Because there are times where we might be really stressed or busy or this or that, and, and one of us doesn't respond, and, and then one of us is like, hey, that was my bid. And just that word bid. And you're
1: like, oh, okay, I was like, oh, Sorry. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean put my I didn't phone mean down, that. I got to yes. come back into the world. Exactly. Yeah, it really perks us up and draws us back into wanting to connect with one another. Yeah, yeah. Now, another way to turn toward is to help each other with the practical tasks of life. Who knew that doing the dishes, vacuuming, or throwing a load of laundry in the washing machine is laying the foundation for sex, romance, and passion?
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, that's the second key to long-term sexual satisfaction with your spouse. The third key is to learn how to talk about it. You know, it's really common for couples to want to discuss their sex lives, but not know how to express themselves without sounding critical or feeling embarrassed. So when you talk about sex, I mean, that's the hope for this podcast, so you don't just listen to this, but you actually have the conversation afterwards. When you talk to your spouse about sex, uh, here are a couple ground rules to ensure that it's a positive experience
1: right so before you start talking make sure you even talk about sort of what you want the conversation to feel like mm-hmm. how you want it to go and the first thing you can do is to remember to be gentle and positive with mm-hmm. yourself and with your spouse yeah because most people feel so vulnerable about whether they are attractive to their spouse and a good lover the key to talking about sex is not to criticize your spouse there really is no reason to be judgmental because you aren't talking about bad or wrong in your relationship. You are brainstorming and sharing your perspective on how to make a good thing better. Mm -hmm. A conversation about lovemaking that starts with one spouse criticizing the other is going to end up in an argument Nothing is guaranteed to make your spouse want to touch you less than if you say, you never touch me.
0: (laughs) Especially like that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) It's better to say, you know, I loved it when we kissed last weekend in the kitchen when you came home. I'd love more of that. It makes me feel so good. Hmm. What do you think? Would you want to kiss me more if I said that? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise, instead of saying, don't you dare touch me there. You'll get a better response if you say, you know, it feels so good when you touch me here.
0: Yeah. So being gentle and positive is that first ground rule. The second one is to have grace for the journey. Now, sex is one area of marriage that often represents wounds and deep fears. Mm -hmm. Couples can get stuck on the journey towards sexual intimacy because they don't know how to talk about such sensitive topics. Now, based on upbringing and background culturally, uh, many people still have feelings of shame connected to enjoying sex and therefore find it difficult to acknowledge, much less discuss their sexual needs and desires, especially with their spouse.
1: Now, if you are in this situation, we want to let you know that you are not alone. Our advice is to go really slowly. It may be best to start by each of you talking about your feelings concerning sex itself. What messages did you receive about it as a child? What messages did you receive about it at church or youth group or even at school? What conflicts do you have about it? And so on and so forth. Before you dive into the specifics about what you or your spouse likes best sexually, be patient with each other, y'all. Be gracious be prayerful, and be willing to reach out for help if you need it. Intimacy means vulnerability and emotional nakedness. It's a long process that cannot be rushed, nor should it be. Sex takes two people willing to show up, be vulnerable, transparent, seen, known, and accepted. It is a journey for you and your spouse to discover together. It is a place where you both get to show up broken yet seen and still loved. This doesn't happen overnight. Intimacy is a journey and not an event.
0: Yeah, that's good. Now, the last key, the fourth key to long-term sexual satisfaction with your spouse is to learn how to initiate and learn how to refuse gently. Many couples are uncomfortable discussing how to initiate sex and... In the same way, a lot also don't know how to say, sorry, I'm not in the mood tonight in a way that doesn't reject or make the spouse feel rejected or feel hurtful. And let's be honest, I think most of us can agree that it's difficult to cope with being turned down.
1: Exactly. Now, the key to making yes or no feel less heavy or loaded is to agree upon a ritual in your relationship for navigating sex. Yeah. A ritual is an approach, either verbal or nonverbal, that you both expect, you can count on and look forward to. It makes asking for sex explicit and routine. We've done a few things over the years that have made it into a bit of a game. When we wash our bed sheets and make the bed together, it's an invitation to make love that evening. Sometimes I'll text Daniel and say, Ooh, guess what? I'm washing the sheets. <laughs>
0: yeah. Good text,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and he'll know what that means, so he's gonna come home right away. (laughs) I have a big smile on my face right now. Yeah,
0: (laughs) now, one ritual for requesting sex that is especially effective comes from the sex therapist Lonnie Barbach. She suggests that couples use a scale from one to nine to indicate how in the mood each of them is feeling. One meaning, no thanks, not tonight. Five meaning I'm convincible and nine meaning let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So if your spouse approaches and you're not in the mood, you can say, I love you and you are extremely sexy. But right now I'm at a one. And if you're not sure, you could say right now I'm at a five. So let's kiss and cuddle and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Here are some other ideas for rituals that we will include in our show notes. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 163 to find them and to even print them out if you want. So some ideas for rituals are just saying straight out, "Mm, I want to make love.
0: Yeah. Or kissing your spouse's neck and saying, I really want you.
1: Putting your arms around your spouse and asking if they would like to make love.
0: Mm -hmm. Leaving your spouse a note saying you want to make love tonight.
1: Sending your spouse a steamy text during the day. Just
0: make sure that's to the right person. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we do not recommend photos. No, no, yeah, no, no, Don't, no. don't do that.
0: No. Uh, lighting candles in the bedroom.
1: And suggest taking a bath together or giving each other a long massage.
0: Yeah, so all of that is to help you learn how to initiate But part of having a great sex life and having long-term sexual satisfaction with your spouse is learning how to refuse sex gently.
1: Yeah, and agreeing upon what that means. Mm -hmm. So according to Dr. Gottman's research, it has to be okay, even rewarding, for either partner to refuse sex. As counterintuitive as this sounds, the research suggests that rewarding your spouse for saying no with a positive response actually leads to, get this, it leads to more sex.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when you, but on the other hand, if you guilt trip your spouse, uh, if you withdraw emotionally or if you withhold physical affection for saying no to sex, uh, your bid for sex was not a bid. It was actually a demand.
1: Exactly. And who likes to do something just because they're demanded to do it? Yeah, that's right and that's a, it can be a really icky line. Hmm. In the book Nonviolent Communication, Marshall Rosenberg highlights that when our spouse hears a demand from us, they see two options: to submit or to rebel. And neither of those responses will build sexual intimacy.
0: Wow. Let's 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 can you read that quote again because my goodness, yeah, it's Ex- powerful.
1: Sure. So when our spouse hears a demand from us, they see two options: one to submit And the other is to rebel. And neither of those responses are going to build the sexual intimacy that you are hoping for. Mm -hmm. Now, the key difference between a demand and a bid is how you behave if your spouse refuses. It's a demand if you criticize or withdraw. It's a bid if you show empathy toward your spouse's needs when they say no.
0: Yeah. Now, the best time to talk about any topic that has the potential to cause friction is when both of you are calm and have the time to talk and listen. Mm -hmm. We've included a few questions to ask your spouse about refusing sex that'll be helpful for you two to unpack. Remember that uh, if you aren't used to talking about sex with your spouse, this is probably going to feel awkward. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you'll even feel embarrassed or won't know what to say. So what might work well, if that's the case for y'all, is to journal your answers and then come together and talk about it.
1: Yeah, I love that idea, Daniel, because some of us, in the relationship are verbal processors yeah. mm-hmm. and others are internal processors. And one is not better than the other. It's just the way that we've been created or the way that we were raised. And so if one of you are the verbal processor, maybe you can read the questions and think about it. You don't have to write it down. But if um, you, know, you or your spouse are an internal processor, then really taking the time to journal and to be able to even have notes to look on and to respond with would be a great idea.
0: Yeah, that's right. And if you're doing something right now, if you're at the gym or driving or whatnot, you don't need to pause and try to write this down. Uh, You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 163 to find these in addition to the other ritual ideas that we mentioned before.
1: So here are some questions to ask your partner about refusing sex. What should I do if you're not in the mood for sex? If I'm really horny for you, but you are not feeling it, Do you feel comfortable saying no? What do you need from me in order to feel comfortable saying no? And the last one is, if you are on the fence about having sex and I am really turned on, what do you need from me? Are you okay with me trying to get you in the mood? If so, how should I approach this?
0: So there you have it. The four keys to growing in sexual oneness. Redefine what you mean by sex. Turn toward each other. Learn how to talk about it and learn how to initiate it, and refuse it gently. We'll end this session with a quote that we love from Dr. Julie Slattery. The best experiences in marriage were created to point us toward the eternal covenant love of God. Let's pray to end. Father, we pray uh, for all who are listening in, that you would grant them grace, peace, uh, humility, and gentleness as they navigate these conversations with their spouse. That you would bring about healing where there's been hurt, um, restoration, and reconciliation where there's been brokenness. Um, And that you, Father, would just move in the way that only you can in each and every one of our lives. So that we would experience oneness with our spouse and ultimately oneness with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.